Come on, if you love Jesus, can you just give him a shout of praise? Hey, I want you to high-five a couple of people. High-five five people. Let's get specific. Five people. Five people. And grab a seat. Well, I don't know about you, but I am excited to be back in the room on a Tuesday. Anybody excited to be back in the room on a Tuesday? I want to welcome everyone, especially all the first-time guests. Come on, let's put our hands together for them. I want to welcome you home. I want to welcome you to The Exchange. My name is Mark, and I get the privilege of being a part of the team here at The Exchange. And, man, you came at the kickoff of the semester. You came at the kickoff of the year. And I'm pumped that you're in the room because tonight we're kicking off a new collection, a new series called The Ways of God. Can you say that with me? The Ways of God. The Ways of God. And I love this idea as we focus on the ways of God over the next four weeks here at The Exchange because what I've learned in my life is God's ways are greater than my ways. What I've learned in my life is God's thoughts are greater than my thoughts and God's desires are greater than my desires for my life. But the thing about it is, is it's so often that we lose sight of that one simple truth. And I want to help us over the next few weeks just kind of get some framework for 2024 and better understand the life that God is calling us to live. And I'm here to tell you today, the life that God is calling you to live is far greater than the life that you could even imagine. But I believe it starts when we understand the ways of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, the Lord says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. See, I firmly believe that this is something that we got to get in our hearts as we go into the new year, as we step into this new year. And if you want to experience the power and the presence of God in your life, if you want to walk in the ways and the will of God for your life, friends, we must understand that God's ways are above our ways. God's ways are above our ways. The other day I was uh, spending some time with my wife and we were sitting down and we were, we were recounting childhood uh, memories and stories. And I began to tell Michelle uh, about um, something that I would specifically do. And I know you probably did this too. Okay. So I was about seven or eight years old. And whenever I didn't get my way, whenever my parents didn't allow me to have my way, I would do what some of you would do. I'd pack a bag load up my bicycle, and tell my parents I'm out. I run away from home. But how many of you know running away from home is just circling around the block for a few hours? My parents would be like, you know, Mark, you got to do homework. Put away the video games. Be like, bet I'm out, you know. But the thing that's so funny about it, I was thinking about that exact same thought. 20-something years ago, being a kid, running away from home, and I could laugh about it today, and we can laugh about it today, but what I know to be the truth is that so many of us, we find ourselves here, not kids, but adults, doing the very same thing with God. God, you didn't give me my way, therefore, I'm out. And maybe you don't run away from God specifically, but maybe you start putting some distance between you and God, or maybe you find yourself in a place where you don't get your way with God, or things aren't going the way you thought it would, so what do you do? You start questioning God. You start questioning God's character. You start questioning his authority. You start questioning his presence and his power when things aren't going your way. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe for you, you start to question God's intentions, or maybe you even question God's existence. 
Start questioning God and start putting distance between you and God. In 2019, there was a man by the name of David Kinnaman. He wrote a book called Faith for Exiles. And in this book, he uh, did some research. And in his research, he found that now more than ever, young adults ages 18 to 29 are walking away from their faith. Now more than ever in the world, in the U.S. specifically, young adults ages 18 to 29 are abandoning their faith and their belief in God. And I just think it's no coincidence that young adults are leaving behind their faith and abandoning their faith because the idea of being an adult in today's day and age means finally I get a taste of freedom. Finally, I get a taste of freedom. Finally, I get to make my own money, and I don't need anyone else. I live on my own. I can go where I want. I can do what I want to do. I don't need to answer to anyone. And the thing about it is, is so many of us, we find ourselves in that place, but I want us to understand if we're going to walk in the ways of God in this life, if we're going to live with a desire to experience the power and the presence of God as a follower of Jesus, friends, that means we have forfeited our right to go our own way and do as we please. If we're going to walk in the way of God, if we're going to experience the power of God, the peace of God, the presence of God in our life, that means we have forfeited our right to go our own way. And we have made a conscious decision to say, I'm not just following Jesus, I'm living my life under the authority of Jesus. Not just following Jesus, I'm living my life under the authority of Jesus. Please hear me, because when we come to know Jesus, we begin to desire to live for the things of God instead of the things for the world. We should start living with a desire to experience not only the things that God has to offer us, but we start living with a desire for the power and presence of God. And if we're going to experience the power and presence of God, we must understand you find the power and the presence of God when you understand the authority of God. And I know as I say this word authority, some of you start to twitch. You don't like that word authority. In your mind, that word authority, it carries a negative connotation. You don't like the tone of that word authority. Why? Maybe it's because of that nagging parent that you have, right? Maybe it's not the nagging parent. Maybe it's the teacher that you wanted to throw hands with in fifth grade, okay? <laughs> that idea of authority, it's something that none of us like to hear. But can I tell you today, you and I were not created just to be people with influence or authority. We were created to be people under influence and authority. And it's called the influence and authority of God. And so many of us are wondering today, well, how did I end up in this place? Could it be that you lost sight of the fact that you were created to live under the authority of God? We've got to start getting this revelation today. We've got to start getting this understanding. You and our friends, we were created to live under the authority of God. In the Gospels, there's a story of a Roman officer. In Matthew chapter 8 and in the Gospel of Luke and John, it speaks about this Roman officer who is a man of great authority, Scripture says. He was a man who had a lot of influence. In fact, these Roman officers, it's said to be that they would oversee hundreds of soldiers in this day and age. And in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to pick up in verse 5. It reads this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant, he lies in his bed. He's paralyzed and he finds himself in terrible pain. But Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will then be healed. I know this because I'm a man under authority 
of my superior officers. But don't miss this. He says, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go, or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were his disciples that were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel and amongst my people. I haven't seen a faith like this amongst all of my people. Let me recount the story and let me tell it to you and reveal it with you. See, there's a Roman officer who finds himself in a place of great authority. One of his servants, they find themselves sick. And in this moment, as his servant's sick and on the verge of dying, he goes to find Jesus. Some other passages say that Jesus came to him, but in this text in Matthew 8, it says he goes to find Jesus. And the interesting thing about this text is as he's getting up close and personal with Jesus, he begins to realize he's not even worthy to be in the presence of Jesus. As he's getting closer to Jesus, he realized, man, I'm a man of great authority, but you, my friend, you are of greater authority. I've got authority, but your authority is greater than mine, Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus, he looks at him, and Scripture says that he was amazed by the man's faith. I want to look at that word faith because when we study that word in the Greek, it leads us to the word pistis. Pistis, and that word faith in the Greek, when we study it, it simply means to have a deep belief or conviction in the divine power or authority of God. See, Jesus was amazed by the fact that this man realized and could understand the authority that was found in him. I suppose my question for us tonight is this. Are you living with a deep belief or conviction about the authority of God in your life? Like, who holds the authority in your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? Who has the final say in your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? Who's the one that's dictating the way you date? Is it you, your peers, or is it Jesus? Who's dictating the way you steward your finances? Is it you or is it Jesus? Who's dictating the way you steward your time? Is it you or is it Jesus? Who has the authority in your life? And what I love about this story, and when you look at it in Luke chapter 7, In verse 7 specifically, it says, this Roman officer, as he's getting closer to Jesus, he began to realize and sense the power and the authority within him. I just wonder how many of us find ourselves in this place stuck going, I don't think God has any power. And maybe it's not God. Maybe it's the fact that you have never actually drawn close to him. I just wonder how many of us find ourselves just struggling and dragging through this life. Maybe we haven't actually taken the step to truly draw close to God where we can experience him in a personal, intimate way and recognize his power. Not only his power, but his presence. Not only his presence, but his authority. I'm trying to help us understand as we go in this series in week one that God wants us to draw closer to him. Not for his hand, but rather for his presence. And it says we find the presence of God, we find the power of God, and it's the power of God that gives us everything we need to live the life that God has called us to live. I love this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3, it says by God's divine power and his might, he gives us everything we need to live this life that he's created you and I to live. But so many of us as young adults, we get a taste of freedom, 
We think, oh, this is about me, this season of my life. It's, it's about being the best me and living my best life. Friends, can I tell you today, you can continue to strive to move forward in your own power, but you will only get so far. You need something greater in your life. You need the power that comes with the presence of God. James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I just want you to know. There's an invitation that God is extending you. There's an invitation that God is extending you. And I just feel such a heightened sense of responsibility, not only as a pastor but as a friend, to help us understand that the authority of God in our lives is the thing that we've been in search of and we've been looking in the world, but it's failed us time and time again. And I'm so tired of seeing young adults bound here on earth, being sucked back into the ways of the world, struggling with their relationship with God, trying to find their purpose, trying to find their place, trying to find their people, but they're searching in all of the wrong places. Friends, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus that gives you power and his presence, but most importantly, gives you authority over every challenge that you experience in this life. You see, the thing about this is, as I was talking to my wife about this, I wholeheartedly believe so many of us, we don't have a problem with, with our belief or putting our, faith in a, uh, putting our faith in a relationship with Jesus. So many of us, we get stuck in this area uh, where we're misinformed about the character and person of Jesus. I wholeheartedly believe some of us, we've been carrying some misconceptions about God. And that's the thing that's keeping us from drawing closer to God. So today, I just want to name a couple of misconceptions that I see is just so prevalent in our generation. And I believe as we unpack these things... And God's going to lead us to a place to open our eyes and realize what he's calling us to do. See, the first misconception that I think keeps so many of us from having a deep relationship with God or experiencing the power and presence of God in our lives is we believe God is distant and adrift. We believe God is distant and adrift. So many of us, we believe that God is distant, and because he's distant, he's disinterested with our life. And I was thinking about this as I was driving over here. It's important you understand, from the very beginning of time, God wanted intimacy with you and I. God wanted intimacy with you and I. He wanted a relationship with you and I. So when we talk about this idea that God is distant and adrift, perhaps it isn't God that moved, it's you. See, when we read scripture, we've got to understand that there's no way that the God of heaven and earth, the God of all creation, could be distant and adrift because, friends, he has given us his spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God that lives within us. I mean, how much more relational could God be? How much more intimate could God be? The fact that his living, breathing spirit is within his children. Our God's not distant. Our God isn't adrift. It's not God that moved. Perhaps it's us. Think about Romans chapter 8 that tells us the spirit of God that lives in us. And I know for some of you, when you hear that, you go, well, Pastor Mark, God doesn't want anything to do with me because of my sin. God doesn't want anything to do with me because of my past. Friends, do you realize from the very beginning of time, as God was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, they have their moment where they fall what did God do? He corrected them. 
And then he turned and he protected them. He corrected them and then he protected them. Some of us believe that we've messed up so bad that God is going to scold us. He wants nothing to do with us. Can I tell you the truth today? That is the farthest from the truth. He's a God of mercy. He's the God of grace and friends. He wants to correct you, not condemn you. He doesn't want to shame you. He wants to shape you. And he wants to help you grow and move past that point. Some of us are just stuck, though. I've messed up. I can't get over my hurt. If God did, why haven't you? If God did, why haven't you? Our God isn't set out to shun you, friends. He sent his son to save you. And I'm trying to help us understand tonight that he's a God of intimacy. He's, he isn't distant. He's close. He isn't distant. He's close. I think about Jeremiah, this young man that was about our age when God called him to do a great thing for his people. And Jeremiah, he finds himself in this place where he's confused, he's worried, he's concerned. He doesn't think he has what it takes to do the specific task that God calls him to do. And many of you know this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. But don't miss verse 12. But in those days when you pray, I will listen. He's close. But if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you. Friends, I'm telling you the truth today. If we look for God, we will find God. This isn't a promise for Jeremiah. This is a promise for the church of Jesus Christ in this hour. You're not going through this life alone. Friends, can I tell you, if you start calling on God on a day-to-day -day basis, you will see God move in your life. Got to call on God. Got to start praying. And some of us, we don't want to pray. We don't want to ask God for anything in this life because we're fearful of God. We don't cry out or we don't call God or we don't seek God's presence in this life because oftentimes we think God is too busy with his own affairs. But why is it that the word of the Lord says in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your cares and your anxieties on me. I care for you. He's a God that cares. He isn't distant. He is close. I started running and... Let me not go into the weeds of it because you'll make fun of me. I'm a big guy. There's no mistaking that. Running is not my favorite thing to do. But one of my friends, anybody hear about this thing called 75 hard? So, yeah, it's exciting. I'm doing something called 75 soft. Okay? So I started running again. And running's not my favorite thing. And I'm, as I'm running... I started feeling like overwhelmed, like I just couldn't control my breath. So one of my friends, he, he loves to run, he told me, Mark, focus on your breathing. And then the other day I was talking to my wife, Michelle, and I told her, man, like I'm just struggling with my breathing. She's like, how does your body feel? And I'm like, my body feels good, but my breathing is just off. And she says, well, listen to your breath. Listen to your breath. I just want you to think about this. Have you ever found yourself deep breathing? just want that to serve you a reminder today. The breath of God is within you. Even when you're struggling, friends, God has sent you a reminder. 
Even when you feel like you can't keep pressing on, the breath of God is in you, and you have everything you need to push on. It's the breath of God. Yahweh, it's the breath of God, and he gives us everything we need to continue to push on. The second misconception, I think, that keeps some of us from walking in all that God has for us is we want a God who will agree with all of our decisions and desires. We want to have a God in our life that will agree with all of our decisions and our desires. How many of you know if God did agree with all of our decisions and desires, there would be no need for a God? There'd be no need for a God. And if that were to be a case, we might as well just call him God. We might as well call God genie in a bottle. If God were to give us everything we want, we might as well just call him a genie in the bottle. You see, oftentimes, many of us, we make this mistake of trying to force God's hand to bless something that we desire. Or we do something and then we backtrack and we try to get God to bless it after the fact. And if he doesn't, we turn to him as if he's the problem, not us. And the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, it's a simple verse. We can make our plans, but at the end of the day, it's the Lord that determines our steps. Can I tell you, before you try to force God's hand, ask God to move your heart. Before you try to force God's hand to bless something in your life, ask God to move your heart and make sure that your thoughts and your decisions and your desires are in agreement with him. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 25. He's crying out to God. He says, God, make your ways known to me, Lord. God, would you teach me your path? Make your ways known to me, God. And please, God, teach me your path. Friends, if we want to walk in the ways of God for our life, we got to be desperate for his will to be revealed to us. And I know this is simple truth for us today. But in today's day and age, and I was like, should I say this? In today's day and age, so many of us, we find ourselves in search of a God who will not only affirm our desires, but rather affirm our emotions. We want a God that's going to affirm our emotions. That's why in the modern era, people turned to idol worship. They started worshiping gods and goddesses who were fallible like you and I, sinners just like you and I. But these people, they were participating in lives of sin and lives that felt appealing to the flesh. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 25, these people, they were worshiping the creator rather than his creation. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to have a God that uh, appeals to my emotions or desires. I want to have a God who saved my soul. One of the things that I find myself sitting down with a lot of young adults talking about is this modern-day idea that we can find everything that we need in horoscopes, in mediums, in psychics, in tarot cards, and all these different things because, because they somehow just appeal to our emotions. We're just so convinced that these things are powerful and they lead us to the way of truth. Why? Because they affirm our emotions, they affirm our desires, they affirm the things that we want in and out of this life. But God doesn't promise to, to bless your emotions. In fact, God is the creator of your emotions. So instead of turning to a rock, why not turn to God? Can I tell you, you may find yourself doing these things, and I don't want you to leave this place feeling ashamed. But I just want you to know, everything that you have been in search of, 
can be found in Jesus. Everything that you've been in search of, it, it, it can be found in Jesus. It can be found in the word of God. And even as one of the pastors here and one of the team members, if you find yourself in that place, I just want to create a space where you feel like you can sit down and talk to me or talk to one of the staff members and go, could you help me navigate this? Here at The Exchange, we say authenticity is our heartbeat. If you find yourself in that place, we want to come alongside of you in your journey. We want to come alongside of you. But if you want to experience the power of God, you've got to stop living in search of things in the world and start searching in the word of God. The third thing that I think gets us hung up is the fact that we will say things like this. Before I fully surrender my life to God, I need to completely understand God's ways and his character. Before I fully surrender my life to God, Mark, I need to understand all of the ways of God. I need to understand the character of God. Fun fact, did you know this? Only 5 to 10% of the ocean has been discovered and explored by man. I don't know if you know that, but yet scripture, it tells us that God is the creator over all creation, the skies, the sun, the moon, the stars, every living being and every living creature and every single square inch of the seas. And I just wonder as I think about that, I'm glad that we have a generation that's eager for truth, but do you truly think you and I are smart enough to understand the ways of such a powerful God? Do you and I really think we are smart enough to fathom and understand and can comprehend the God that created every single thing? When you open up your eyes, when you breathe, he created all of those things. I don't know about you, I'm still trying to figure out myself. We're not smart enough. And that's why the word of the Lord in Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We can't comprehend God in all of his fullness. But there is a promise in the end of the story in the book of Revelation. It's that when we see God face to face, we will understand God in all of his fullness. And what I love about that truth is I don't even think that you and I will have a desire to see God and understand God in all of his fullness. I think that we will be marveled and blown away by the bigness of God when we see him face to face. I don't even think, like, what are you going to ask him? God, I told you I wanted a Porsche, not a Toyota. Like, what? We're going to marvel at the bigness of God, I wrote it down this way, our finite minds can't fathom the vast nature of an infinite God. And to be honest, if you could fathom the power of God, you wouldn't need a God. And I think for those of us who have a deep desire, and we continue to go, I just want to know the fullness of God, and I just want to have knowledge of all of these different things, I would just take a note out of the very beginning of the Bible, where you see that's where Adam and Eve got caught up in the garden. They wanted to have the same knowledge of God. That was the thing that Satan tempted them with. Could it be that your constant search is just leading you to bite out of the apple? The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. Now we see these things imperfectly. Paul says like puzzling reflections in a mirror, we see the world. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I now know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. 
just want to reiterate this. I want you to get this in your heart. Friends, we will never get to see God or understand all of his ways until we see him face to face. But the good news is, today, right now, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you're stuck. He knows you in all of your fullness, each and every one of us. He knows us. And he loves us. And he cares about us. And he calls us his own. See, as I close our message tonight, I know so many of us, we have questions. We leave this message going, but Mark, I have questions. I, I know you have questions. And I'm glad that you have questions. But let's not get caught up on our questions that we miss out on the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, that we may have life and life more abundantly. See, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I don't know where you find yourself today. I know you may be stuck. I know you may be feeling some pain in your life. I know you may have questions because you find yourself in a place where maybe there's somebody in your family that's sick. Or maybe you find yourself in a place where you feel stuck. Can I tell you the truth? The good news is in Romans chapter 8 it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'm just passionate about this because I don't want you to miss out on the life that God has for you. I don't want you to miss out on experiencing the power and the presence of God. I don't want you to continue to live with things on the throne of your heart and taking God off the throne of your heart. Friends, I want you to know there's more. See, like that Roman officer... As soon as he got in the presence of God, he took some steps. The first thing this Roman officer did as he got in the presence of Jesus is he confessed. He said, yo, I, I, I'm a man of great authority, but you are of greater authority. And for some of us today, we, we need to take that first step, which is to confess, God, I've been living my life on my own terms. God, I've been the one that's making the decisions. I've been the one that's calling the shots. I've been the one that's leading my life. And God, I need to confess, you need to be the one on the throne. I need to take all these things, all these people, even myself off the throne, and I need to place you back on it. I need to confess, God. He confessed. He said, you are the one that has the greatest authority. Not only in that moment did he confess, but he also surrendered. Some of us today, we need to take a step towards surrendering. Scripture says that this man, as he's in the presence of Jesus, he recognized that Jesus is the only one that could change his situation. Can I remind you today, it's Jesus that's the only one that could change your greatest situation, which was your sin. And he didn't just surrender his situation. We learn later on in the text that he surrendered his life. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. My son, give me your heart. Surrender your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Friends, we got to get to a place where we're surrendering our lives to God. And for some of us, it's a daily decision that we need to make. It shows up not just by surrendering our heart. We got to surrender our relationships. We got to surrender our finances. We got to surrender our mindset. We got to surrender our calling. We got to surrender our desires. And watch is how you do this on a day-to-day -day basis. God will take you places you never thought you could go. We got to confess. We got to surrender. But the third thing we need to do is we need to trust. 
See, this Roman officer in this moment, Jesus sends him off and says, your servant is well. He didn't question God. Scripture says he went back to his house and found his servant well. And what I'm trying to help some of you realize is, not only do you need to trust God with your situation, you need to trust God with your salvation. Because the Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. You're secure. You don't need to wrestle. You don't need to work towards anything. You're secure in Christ Jesus. I've got to trust that today. I've got to trust that. He's taking care of our situation and he's taking care of our salvation. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do. And you got to trust that he will show you which path to take. You got to trust that he'll show you which path to take. I don't want to just send you out of this place hearing a message. They want to just send you home with some practical tools. Tonight, I wanted to create a moment, just a couple minutes, for us to take those three steps. Maybe you need to confess that you haven't placed God on the throne of your heart. Maybe you need to confess that you have been the one holding on to the seat of authority. Maybe you need to surrender your heart. Maybe you need to surrender your situation. Maybe you need to surrender the thing that you're walking through in this moment. Maybe for you in this moment, this is the moment for you to go, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Let's just take a moment right now in the stillness of this room. Just take one of those steps. Start calling out to God. God, I trust you. God, I trust you.